Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Our guest today is Todd Genitasio. I... Uh... Love complicated names, and that is about as complicated <laughs> as you can get. Uh, yeah, yeah. A little Italian there, or Greek? Yeah, yep, uh, t- Italian. Yeah, my dad's okay. side is 100%. <laughs> All right, well, I'm excited to be talking to you. I am Mike Woodward. I'm sitting in for Josh Carey, host of so many different things. We're doing this interview as a part of PodMax, which is this cool event. I started out doing the event back when uh, the world was a little different and we did it in person in Trenton, New Jersey. And now with COVID, we're doing it, of course, virtually. And it's excited to sit down with you uh, for the second time, the first time the <laughs> audio, we lost the audio files. And so here we are doing it again. Excited to have you on. Thanks for, for taking time and, and doing this conversation a second time. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And, you know, we we had a lot of fun, the two of us, at least the first time, right? So hopefully that <laughs> can translate again here. That's so true. I am excited. You do a lot. You have two different businesses you're part of, Tresnik Media, and you're the CMO of Zeotag. Yep. Give us a little of an overview of what those companies are. Let's start with Tresnik. What is Tresnik yep. Media? So Tresnik Media is my digital marketing agency. Uh, I started that in 2011 after working in corporate communications, interactive online stuff in a big cubicle gig. Um, And, you know, that only lasts so long, right? Um, You know, that we're on the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. So I was um, not so much hiding behind the cubicle. I I was young and gave it my gave it my four year run and said, all right, dad, I I tried it. Now it's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, let's like, do things I really uh, want to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, left there, started Tresnik Media because when you work in a huge corporation, you know, you do, you go on your job, you clock in and out every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, did, did it make a difference? I don't know. I put stuff out into the ether somewhere in this 100,000 person organization and maybe yeah. it helped somebody along the way. And I really wanted to get closer to the impact that my work was having, um, mm. especially with the skill set of, you know, digital marketing. I was started off with building websites and stuff for local businesses. And so I wanted to work with a client, build their website and see them get more customers or get more reach or whatever their objective was, as opposed to make a website, send it out. And then I never hear about it again. And right. um, so that's how Tresnik Media started. And over the years, um, you know, developed into a full mar- full marketing agency where, you know, we had that first website go up, which you're probably familiar with these types of stories, Michael, where <laughs> I had a, a, a local plumber I met in my networking group, right? And uh, hired me to build his website. And I 
did it for probably a few hundred bucks yeah. and went through the process. They, they loved how it looked, what it said, all that stuff. We put up their, their little site and, um, you know, celebrate, Hey, yeah, you knew what new websites up. And then the next day he calls me and he says, uh, Todd, the, the website's not working. I said, Oh mm. crap. Is there an image broken? You know, what's, what's going on here. And so I bring it up and I'm checking, I'm like, what page are you looking at? What's not working? You know, did the form not send, you know, notification or something? And he's like, uh, well, I just Googled plumber and, uh, and I don't, I don't see it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, that's when I said, okay, I need to do a better job educating my clients on what a website is versus what marketing is. Right. And then, yeah. so that, uh, was an easy expansion into the marketing services. And, and, um, I've always been really about, um, helpful marketing, not hypey marketing. And so how do we help answer questions for our ideal customers so that, you know, we can attract people that are interested in what we do and help solve their problems and in doing so and adding that value, you know, they're going to want to work with us and we can earn some business. And, you know, that started off with blogging, got into some video and YouTube stuff and creating content. And, and now, you know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for the content marketing and, um, and really putting value out into the world as a business. And so that ties into now what Zeotag is and Zeotag is a, an AI powered video player where we take any existing online video. So take your YouTube link, your, your Vimeo link, your Facebook link, your Dropbox link, whatever, copy that URL, you paste it into Zeotag and it will automatically transcribe your video and then add a search function so that now people can actually search through the video content or, or audio it works with any media, um, search through your content and click and watch exactly that moment that they want to see. And then the super cool part where the AI comes in is it listens to the the pre, the speech of the video and recognizes the different concepts that are being talked about and automatically generates a table of contents. And so now in a 45 minute you know video show or 15 minute you know YouTube video whatever, uh, rather than having to sit through the the hosts you know first five minutes of the story of why they decided their grandma's recipe for, you know, sauce was the best thing in the world. You can jump right to how much garlic do I need to put in? And you can yeah. see, Oh, at the seven minute, 10, 10 second mark, that's where they're talking about the garlic click and jump right to that. Right. And so, um, on an individual piece of content level, it makes your content super helpful and way easier for people to navigate. And then when you do that with all of your videos, if you have a, a show where you're putting out content consistently, or you just put out a lot of content, um, now people can search your whole library, right? So if you have a hundred episodes or 50 videos or whatever, um, and someone wants to search for, uh, I need a tip on how do I scale my Facebook ad budget, right? They can search Facebook ad budget. And then in all of your video content, every time you mention that word, Facebook ad budget comes up, they can click and watch right at that moment. Um, well, I think that uh, there's a lot to unpack there yeah, both, yeah. on both sides of what you're doing. I, I want to dive a little bit into this video real quick because, you know, in the world of podcasting, one of the new things that I haven't experimented with much, but I probably should, is the whole concept of chapter marking and everything like yep. that. But you have yeah, to exactly. do that manually right. to actually make it work. And yep. and let's be honest, uh, in a busy world with, uh, you know, 102 things I have to do every day. Yep. I don't have the time to sit there and go, oh, you know, with the conversation, you know, I just uh, released an episode on our show. Uh, earlier this week about storytelling, but we talk about faith in it. We talk about pod, uh, podcasting in the episode. We talk about uh, the, the crafting story and narrative and how it's a part of humanity. Well, 
using an AI would be so powerful to do that. Yeah. How does that transfer into the real world though, where, you know, you have the AI that runs the video. Are you hosting the video or, or no, we, does this transfer over to like YouTube and to other uh, platforms, Facebook, whatever? It, so we don't host the videos, so it exists on your YouTube channel. So just the same way, like, you know, you take a YouTube video and embed it in, in a, in a web page or a blog post or whatever, and YouTube video sits there, the YouTube video will continue to sit there. And then the Zeotag player sits on top of that. And so, mm -hmm. um, you can either keep your, you can keep the player on app.zeotag.com and send people there similarly to how you send people to youtube.com, or you can embed the player, right? So you get a little snippet code, um, you copy and paste that one line of uh, it's an iframe, just like, you know, a YouTube embed and you can put that on your website wherever you want. Um, so this same is thing more for, for, this, for the gallery search. So this is more for on your site. It's not Correct. for on those platforms. Right. Uh, yeah. Yep, Google exactly. needs to buy you guys so that they can yeah. incorporate this into their <laughs> From platform. your lips to God's ears, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The best um, exit strategy ever, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll sell you uh, this for X amount of billion dollars. Yep, uh, yep. <laughs> I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, the world of content is a complex place. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've been over the last year, well, more than year, probably three years, asking the question of of many people are we at a tipping point of oversaturation of content creation yeah and and i look at that at not just the consumer level like i am not a a podcast that's sponsored by a corporation nbc or warner brothers media or yeah. one of those companies is not paying me to podcast i you know do make money from the podcast through ads and sponsorship but it's it's uh, a very different game than being a owned show and owned content. So so yeah. on one hand, we have this whole world of owned content, uh, mm -hmm. content that's being released because Netflix is creating it, Amazon's creating it, Disney's creating it, Apple's yep. creating it. Uh, and, and there's a saturation point in which, you know, they have lots of money, but that lots of money has to run out at some point. And Netflix is not profitable. Uh, Amazon content creation is not profitable. Right. These, these are, maybe Disney is, I don't know. But you look at it and, and we have that side of things. But then on the consumer side, uh, there's a, an exponential growth of podcasters out there. Uh, longevity seems to be one of the, the defining factors of, of content creation and content yeah. creators that sustain. At what point do we run into a point um, as a person who specializes in content creation where we have an oversaturation of content where the audience is so thin that the margins aren't there to make money in content creation. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it depends on what your business is and what your business model is, right? If you're creating content as a, an entertainment piece, right? Like a Disney, Netflix, Amazon, et cetera. Like, yeah, that's gonna be difficult to make money on. But if you're creating content to be helpful for a particular audience of people who you want to serve and then they become your clients, mm -hmm. um, that's a whole different type of ball game, right? So that's where, uh, you know, one, it doesn't take a huge audience to make money from that. Um, and two, I think, you know, something I've been talking about a lot lately is uh, killing the marketing calendar. Mm. And the idea that, promotions need to run on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis tied to certain dates and things like that. And 
the way I look at it is about it's it's all about the customer journey, right? And so when we talk about this, like is is the market saturated with content? Well, one, it depends on what your market is and what your audience is. But yeah. two, you also have to look at it on a micro level of like when someone has a problem and they start searching online for answers, right? Who shows up? And that begins their journey of going through step one through 10 of educating themselves on right. like, okay, oh, we, you know, we haven't had a new website built in 10 years. And so let me look online, like, well, you know, we need a new website. Do we hire a web designer? And like, you know, quickly you learn that there's design and development are two different things. And what yeah. platform should I use? And what, yep. what do we need in our website? Do we need a blog? Do we need a funnel? Do we need blah, blah, blah. And all these different pieces, right? So, um, being able to create content that educates your ideal customers is going to help you attract quality customers because when you're putting content out and you're answering questions, those are questions people are searching Google, they're posting in forums and things like that. And your helpful content will get found and get people engaging with you. Um, but it also helps like how many times someone fills out your contact form to do business with you and like, it's kind of a frustrating experience from the business side of things, right? Like we all get so frustrated. And if, if you're in, in any Facebook groups with like the creative types, like designers, photographers, videographers, like they're just like some idiot just called me today and asked for a video if I could. And they had a $2,000 budget. Don't they know that it takes $50,000 to make a commercial? And, you know, and it's like, well, no, they didn't because they just searched online for a video company and filled out your contact form. There's no education, right? And so, well, and there are companies out there that would do a video commercial right, for two thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. So, being able to quantify the people you're reaching, right? Being right. able to like say, hey, this is this is the market I actually want to be in front of. I don't want to be in front of like the mom and pop shop that has a two thousand dollar budget. I want to be in front of the mid cap, large cap corporations that go, oh yeah, we've got a hundred twenty thousand dollar budget right. for exactly. our marketing for the this yeah. quarter and they go, yeah. oh, you know, $40,000 yeah. for a video. That's nothing. Right. Right. Or, and also sometimes it's just a matter of education and understanding where like they didn't realize that what they were asking for did require five different, they didn't know that they needed an animator plus an editor plus a director and a script writer. <laughs> and now all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, that, that does make sense. Right. So being able to educate people with your content means that you're not just, you're attracting the right people, but you're also educating them to become the right people and have better conversations with them when you get on the phone to help, uh, you know, earn, earn the job. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's a huge difference too, because it, we're, we're all so quick, myself included to, um, be judgmental and frustrated when someone talks too quickly. And like we all, everyone's, how do I get new clients today? Right. How do I, but when we look at it that way, without the customer journey, it's, it's really like, even if we got in front of the right people today, they still need two or three weeks of nurturing and education before we can have a real conversation to get them what they want and, yeah. and they, you know, need. So, well, and I think what you're hitting on here, and I wrote this down is that so often, we create things because we're told we need to create those things. Oh, you need a website. Oh, you need a Facebook mm -hmm. page. You need a Facebook group. You need a YouTube channel. You need all of this <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, and we look at it from what we're supposed to do instead of looking about the strategy of how we use that tool. You know, as yeah. a web developer myself, I often go into conversations and the last thing I want to talk about is the platform they're using because <laughs> it, it has less to do with the platform and more about your goals. You yep. know, there's an old word, which means the end result of your actions. Uh, way watering that down, there's much more yeah. complexity to that. Sure. 
And we need to think about the end and how we actually create a strategy to get there. But it seems like so many people are going into whatever medium that they're doing or uh, whatever they're doing without the end in in mind. They're going into yeah. it from the standpoint of what do I have to do? Oh, uh, every small business is supposed to have a website, which I would argue yeah. uh, if you have um, no website, but you have another platform where you have a strategy that is better than a website with no pr uh, plan or strategy behind yeah, it agreed. that just sits there and does nothing. And, yep. and, and, and that's and this, coming from a web developer. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's understanding your outcomes that you want your goals. Yeah. It's understanding your audience and where they live, you know, and, and understanding how to connect with them. And so, so the strategy I think is the hard part where a lot of people, they don't even know where to start. They, they don't even know what at, kind of outcomes they can have. So what are some things that they can do, whether it's maybe a website they're going to build or content mm -hmm. they're going to create to really start thinking about that end or the result? How can they really understand what is possible so that they yeah. can then have the right strategy to get there? Yeah, I think that that's a great question and a great approach. And this, this is even to the point of like why we need to create content. And so, something I started jotting down last week is um, a piece of content everyone should have is educating educating your audience on what matters and why, mm. right? And so website example, uh, someone comes and says, I want a bunch of animation moving parts on the homepage and like to look exciting, right? And then- Oh, when I've had say, that conversation oh, about a hundred times. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That's one that's usually, uh, let me talk you out of that real quick. It, it, well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and it doesn't, it actually doesn't take much because we say, all right, you know, that, that sounds like a fun idea, but yeah. what's your, you know, what's the objective of the site? Is, is this an entertainment site where we want people coming and watching animations? Or is this a site where we want to get people signing up to, uh, work with you and as well, we want to get people signed up to work with you. Okay, great. Well, if that's our objective, you know, we, we know based on our experience and the industry has more than enough data on this topic that if you have a bunch of things sliding around and animation that you're actually going to get way less, almost no one to take action and actually achieve the result that we want, like you said, with the end in mind. Yeah. And so, um, once they understand that, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So let's go with the approach that helps us achieve our goals. And, and um, if your goal when creating content is to attract, nurture, engage, and, and convert your audience, right? If we're creating content with the purpose of growing our business, um, then the end in mind is, okay, what is it when we do get on the phone to have a sales conversation? Like, it should not be a blind date. <laughs> right? <laughs> like your sales conversation should not be a blind date. They should have some level of education um, around solving the problem, how you solve that problem and how the tool, like the tool or vehicle of, of you solving that problem. Right? So think about like when you get on a sales call, what is it that you wish that people would know mm. in order to um, really want to work with you and be successful in it. Right. Because it also, how many times you have a great 45 minute sales call and sign a deal too quickly. And then, you know, in a week it falls apart and <laughs> it was all the, all the wrong stuff. And so think about that. The end in mind is like, if we're creating content to get clients and customers, what is it that they should know and understand when we have the sales call so that it's easy for us to just diagnose their problems and then prescribe a solution, hopefully one that we have to offer them and that they understand the value of it, right? And so that's the kind of content that we wanna create along that customer journey. And um, and how do we get someone on a customer journey, right? So again, end in mind, well, let's take a step back before that. In order for us to be their guide on this journey, we need to be creating content that they find, right? Yeah. Whether 
uh, whether we're running ads to the content and it engages them enough to, to click and start reading and consuming, or if we're doing search optimization. So we're answering questions. We know people are searching on Google and we're publishing, you know, quality content that actually ranks. So we need to have that attraction content as well. So how do you plan on getting in front of your target audience? And then how do you plan on nurturing them so that they have the one, they, they have the relationship with you as a person or a brand that they want to do business with you. They have the yeah. education and understanding of what you're doing and how you do it so that they see the value in it. Right. And that they are far along enough where, you know, it's not something that uh, either, you know, their budget qualified, like we said, like, you know, if they have a, a mom and pop shop with a $2,000 video budget, they're never going to be paying $50,000 for a video. Right. So, right. Or if it's someone who it's like, oh, this is something that's going to take three months ahead. So, you know, we want to have that with the end in mind. We need stuff that's going to educate, nurture them so that it is an easy, fun sales call where, you know, we're really just learning about their business, diagnosing their issue and confirming, yes, this is something we can help with. And here's what we prescribe as the solution. And, um, and how do we get that person there? So, you know, that's kind of how we think of the end in mind and creating that customer journey backwards. Um, so that they can find us when they're searching out problems and solutions. Um, and then based on that, like if you want to rank on Google, then you're going to need a website that has a blog, right? Yeah. Then that becomes your tool. Um, if you are going to use Facebook ads uh, or just Google ads, then you need to have just a, a landing page with a sign up offer so that people can consume your you know, longer form content. And, um, and then you can follow up with them and nurture them through email. And, uh, and so in that case, you really only need a one page site, right? Like, you know, I've built, I have case studies where, you know, Tresnick media, we really took off in 2012 when I, after hurricane Sandy, my, um, clients were all knocked out. I'm in New Jersey. So three, six months, our clients were not open for business. And so what was I supposed to do? Um, well, that was when I finally had the time, you know, the, the cobbler shoes, right. I had the time to do my own content marketing. And so mm -hmm. Every day um, for four weeks or for 25 days, five weeks straight, I wrote, published, and promoted two blog posts every day. And that sounds like a lot, but really, I just answered two questions that I often got at networking yeah. events or yeah. in emails. And it's taking the one-to-one -one conversations we have so frequently and putting it into a one-to-many format. And so um, I was publishing two blog posts a day that just answered questions people asked me within within two months of my first published date, um, I went from 200 visitors to 8,000 visitors and that just kept climbing. Um, it became a case study for HubSpot and all these other places. I got recognition. I got featured in all these different publications and all things like that because I was demonstrating my expertise. Now at that time, my end goal was how do I add value, put helpful stuff out and get found through organic search and so that was my strategy. I also have case studies where we, and, and Zeotag is one of them, where we launched with a one-page website that had a free guide on how to promote your videos on YouTube and we run Facebook ads. And so we only needed a one-page site with an offer. I mean, we had, you know, there was six pages on the site or whatever, but we didn't yeah. need 50 blog posts to start ranking on Google and all this other stuff organically because we chose our strategy was putting out helpful content that attracts our audience, but the channel was Facebook ads and a, and a one page site, so to speak, as opposed to our channel being organic search optimization. So we needed to create this flywheel of a ton of content that ranked for all these different keywords, right? So um, thinking about who's your audience, where do they hang out? How do you want to connect with them? And then, you know, and then just adding value of 
Are they just discovering their problem? Let's answer questions about the problem. Are they now learning about how to solve that problem? So let's educate them on the solution and what they need to know, not necessarily how to content, because depending on your business, they may not do it themselves, Mm -hmm. but helping them understand how it works so they can make an informed and confident buying decision. And then, um, once they're kind of educated, then, you know, when you have that conversation with them, it becomes much easier. And because you're the guide who has given them this education, you know, they have this bond with you and are much more likely to work with you versus somebody else. I I want to dive back into this conversation a little bit more in our second segment. But as we wrap up this first segment, there are three questions we always ask. The first one is, how do you find purpose personally and what you're doing? You know, for me, like I said, like I I jumped out of the cubicle gig because I was doing work that felt monotonous and, um, you know, no impact whatsoever goes out into the ether. And so my purpose now is really helping directly impact other people's businesses, helping them grow. And, um, and a lot of things, depending on my different types of clients, I think of, you know, I have clients that help with health and wellness, with leadership, with carpet cleaning, with payroll, with all these different things. And through my skill set of helping them build their audience and reach more people, I'm actually impacting the world in positive ways. Um, You know, we work with this, uh, a pharma company who cuts down clinical trials from uh, a a three to four month process to get started to two weeks. And Mm. I think about one, I could never do that, right? That's not my skill set, but because I'm helping them get more clients and they're shortening these times, how many people are suffering from, two weeks to four months that could have had this new prescription that came out, you know, or, or helped cure them or whatever. And so, you know, my impact comes through not just impacting directly my clients, helping them get more customers, but also the impact that they have on their customers. The second question we always ask at the end of our first segment is what is one challenge you're currently working to overcome? Uh, fortunately, uh, the agency is really growing. And so that comes with some growing pains of, you know, implementing new processes and project management and team chemistry and all that kind of thing. And so that's the the problem I'm actively working on is, is growing internally our business so that we can continue to deliver success, you know, at a bigger level. And finally, what's the next big dream idea or goal that you have? Getting Zeotag out to uh, as many publishers as possible so that the world at large will be able to uh, have more accessibility into quality educational content um, and really educating the world at at large. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about who we're creating content for, the concept of niche, and a bunch more. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique network networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope 
to see you at the next PodMax event. We are back with Todd Genitasio. Did I say that right? You said it perfectly. Oh, I'm getting it. And that's um, yeah. surprising on a good day. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we dive into the conversation, I want to make sure those listening know how they can find and connect with what you're doing. So what are the best ways for people to find and connect with you? Yeah, best way to, to connect with me is at Taji.me. That's a you know personal website and it's got links over to everything I have going on. Awesome. I wanted to dive into who we're creating content for. You were talking about audience in the last segment. You're yeah. talking about reaching them. And I think so often as content creators, whether it's for a business that we own, whether it's for our own brand, often we're creating the content for the wrong audience. We're creating it for yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And we use industry speak. We use... Uh, we talk about things that matter to us, but our clients, right. our potential c customers, are they just don't care about. Right. So how yeah. can we better understand the market we're trying to reach, our audience, our, our customer, or the people who want to watch this content? How can we better dial our content towards them and not for ourselves? Yeah, I think that's huge. That's something that a lot of people are creating content that would be great for their peers to listen to and maybe be educated by, right? But not necessarily their ideal clients. And, you know, I think it really just all starts with understanding, like, who is it that you want to attract and what questions are they asking? Yeah. And, and start answering those questions and try to remember, you know, that you're likely, you know, you're trying to teach advanced calculus to someone who wants to learn how to add and subtract. Right. <laughs> and, and um, to make sure that, you know, you're dumbing down sound, you know, it sounds derogatory, but simplifying it mm. um, into a way that makes sense to the other people. And I think the more, you know, the more practice you get talking one-on-one, -on -one, obviously COVID times, you're not going out and networking with people, but connecting and, and getting on Zoom calls with your ideal customers or, you know, going out when you can to local events and, and starting to understand, you know, how people receive your message, um, I think is important. And, it, it does take practice, right? Like no one's going to come out of the gate. And especially with, you know, we have our, 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 uh, our curse of knowledge, right? Our curse of expertise, where we sometimes are blind to the fact that what we're saying is not simple and understandable. So always trying to go back. And I think, you know, an interesting exercise is thinking of what if I were doing career day in, in a fifth grade class <laughs> and talking about it, right? Like, I yeah. think that's a, that's like a good exercise to go through. Um, so when you take those two kind of things where, make sure you're answering questions that your audience is asking, not your peers um, and not yourself. And, um, and, and answering those questions is going to help you get onto the level of creating the right topics. And then the way you speak about them is, you know, remember that you need to teach them addition and subtraction before you can teach them calculus. And they probably don't even care about calculus. They just need to know, does calculus achieve the goals that, that I want? Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think the, the career day thing I think is a fun exercise too, but you know, I love, this is one of the things I love about social media content. And uh, actually my, my post this morning on Instagram is uh, Instagram uh, at growth suite, S-U-I-T-E is um, about what we can learn as content creators from stand-up comedians. Mm. And when, you know, most people love comedy, right? I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's not interested in, in humor. And yeah. so, uh, you know, we look at these, these 60 minute Netflix specials and they're hilarious and you laugh this whole time. And like, you know, every couple of minutes you're chuckling every five, 10 minutes, you're, there's a belly laugh and right. it just, it, it looks effortless. The crowd is into it. They're amazing presenters. And, um, and we think like, wow, this person's just got, they have the touch. Right. 
But in reality, that's not an accident. The way that it comes together is they go out to a small club every night, seven nights a week, and they perform to 12 people, 22 people, (laughs) right? They're not performing to these big stages every day. And they're telling jokes that they're, they're coming up with ideas. They're getting on stage and they're throwing this out. And sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. And they take notes on that. And did this work? Did my audience receive this? Right. So back to your question, like how do we create content that our, our audience is going to respond to and understand? And so put it out. Did they understand it, get the feedback? And then you go back out the next day and you try it again and you try these other ideas. And over the course of months, in the case of a, of a comedy special, sometimes years, they have compiled 60 minutes worth of high quality material because they did 20 minutes every night for a year and they made it better. They dropped what didn't work. They added stuff that did work. They did more of what worked. They understood. They practiced. How do I deliver this in a way that it gets received well, right? Like the same joke told one way might not get get the laugh it does if you deliver it a different way. And so um, I think when you can just sit down and think, who's my ideal audience? What problems do they have? And what questions are they asking around that? And make that list. And then just start putting out, you know, think about answering it in a one-on-one way, but social media lets us get it out to the world. And so- yeah seeing how people respond, did they get the joke, right? And if they didn't, make an adjustment, see how you can maybe help it resonate a little bit better. Um, And so social media is a great way that we can just practice riffing uh, on a regular basis with low risk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think understanding your audience, their questions, practice getting it out there, um, pay attention to the feedback and response and and make adjustments is, is how really what it comes down to. Love that. I mentioned before the break, I wanted to ask you the question of around niche. And uh, we hear this all the time in the content creator space about find your niche, find your niche, find your niche. I tend to have a generalist show, Mm -hmm. uh, which we talk about uh, broad stuff, but around the concept of idea and story. So how important is niche, I guess, is a good place to start. Yeah, I think it's... um... I think it's super important to understand who it is because the the narrow narrower you can get either on a niche as the audience or a niche as a topic, right? Like, so maybe you do speak to quote unquote everyone, but you talk about one particular idea or problem mm-hmm. or topic, right? Like you're talking about idea, ideation and story. And so you do have a niche topic, but you have a broad audience. And so what I think some people do get caught up too much on how do I narrow down my targeting so small that it's like literally like seven people in the world or whatever, right? Or like it's only, there's only a thousand people in the world that this could pertain, uh, pertain to because Kevin Kelly says you need a thousand true fans. So how do I get down to a thousand? Well, the truth is you're going to get a thousand fans out of a pool of a million people or more. Right. right? Right. So, um, this is where thinking about the concept of like dog whistle content comes into play. And so a dog whistle is something, you know, you blow the whistle, humans don't hear it, but dogs hear it. And so if you have to, um, if you have to speak to a broad amount of people, but about one particular topic or in your particular style and, and approach, right? Like that's also how you can niche down, um, where it's based on your style and approach. And that's what I call like bat signal branding, right? Like when Gotham City has trouble, they don't put up they don't put up a light that has the Gotham City logo on it. They put up the bat signal and right. Batman comes, right? So right. when you can speak uh, you know, with your style and approach to attract your the people who are gonna vibe with that, it will attract those people, right? Mm-hmm. And so um I think you don't necessarily have to niche down 
in one, like in one way of these are exactly the people I want on exactly this topic and you cut it too small. I think you can speak broadly, uh, speak to a, a large amount of people, but on a particular topic that resonates or with a particular style or approach. And I think that's how you can also attract your quote unquote niche audience. Um, so and I so think the other way too, real quick, I just, I don't want yeah, to say yeah, yeah. that is that when people are getting started, it, it can feel like you're boiling the ocean. And so I think if you do start with a narrower target, it, you'll get results faster because if you try to reach 10 million people, it's going to be very diluted in your efforts, right? And so, but if you try to reach a, a smaller amount of people by, by narrowing down, you can get traction quicker and understand what's working and what's not. And so, you know, if you wanted to build the largest retail store in the history of mankind, the idea doesn't come to mind. Let me sell textbooks to college students, but that's what Amazon did, right? Yeah. Like they started yeah. off. So when you are, when you are creating these niches and personalities that you want to reach out to, remember that like you can start with one and then expand into more. Um, it doesn't mean you stay there forever. It's just, you need to get traction. And, and that's a matter of like expanding your runway so that your business can grow, your, your podcast can grow um, before you fall flat. So uh, what I was going to ask there, it sounds like what you're saying, and, and I think both aspects of what you just said here hit to this is that often we're overthinking the niche niche yeah. that we overthink what it is. And by doing that, we actually trap ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think, you know, one, there's like paralysis by analysis. And I have this, like, you know, I have like a whole notebook <laughs> full of just like, who do I want to target? And there's yeah. a million different ways to slice those things up. Right. And, yeah. and, um, there's a quote I love, I don't know where it's originally from, but I got it from a friend of mine, Josh Corporal. Um, from fire builders and it's the work begets the work. Mm. And so sometimes you don't know exactly who your audience is going to be. And oftentimes it's going to change, or maybe you don't know exactly the topic that your show or your content is going to be about, and it, it's going to change no matter what. And so sometimes you just have to get started and you find your footing along the way. Um, and I think that's super important. So, you know, don't overthink it to the point of not doing anything because even if you went through months of planning and research and all that stuff, once you go live, you're still going to have to change, right? Like it just, it, it just is what it is. And so you might as well get out sooner and change along the way. Um, and, and not let that overthinking hold you back from doing something that is not going to be great at first, but it will never be great if you don't get started. I want to pivot a little bit here as we wrap up this second segment in our first interview, which, uh, I wish we had. It had a lot yeah. <laughs> of good stuff and good conversation. One of the things we talked about is persona versus authenticity. And I, I think this is an important conversation for content creators because um, I think there are so many content creators who are putting on a show. They're actors in a role yeah. Yeah. and they lose the authenticity. How important is authenticity in this journey? And when is it right to put a character around what you're creating versus being transparent with who you actually are? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question and a great topic. And, and Seth Godin talks about this a lot that people yeah. actually don't care about authenticity. They care about consistency mm. and they just want you to show up the same way when they see you, right? Like they don't want to hear you talking, uh, talking or acting one way today and then another way tomorrow. Um, you know, it would not be great if Gary Vaynerchuk put out a very family friendly language show for a week <laughs> and attracted a bunch of people with seven year olds in the car. And then the following week, he's dropping the F bomb every other word with and, you know, and so people want consistency over authenticity. Um, however, 
for us as the creator, I think authenticity is super important because when you, when you create a fictitious character, mm-hmm. right. Um, and I, I want to draw the line and come back to the idea of an alter ego because that's different. But if we created a fictitious character because we wanted to people to think or believe we were someone else, or we thought we had to pretend to be someone else mm-hmm. in order to achieve the success that we want. Well, that's a lot of hard work to keep up a lie, right? <laughs> and so I think as creators, it's so much more important to be authentic because it's easier, right? Like when we can flip on the mic and just speak our truth and, you know, we have this, this curse of expertise, this curse of knowledge, but we want to share it with the world and have an impact. So when we can use our authenticity, it's a lot easier to go on Zoom with somebody and have a great conversation and it becomes valuable as opposed to jumping on and thinking I have to act a certain way. And that, you know, it just, it doesn't feel right. Oftentimes uh, it, it, it doesn't land because people can feel that you're not being true to yourself. And so I think authenticity is super important for us to make it easier for us to create content um, and be ourselves and, and be able to express that and, and deliver value. Um, but on the other side of it is that it also helps us be more consistent mm. and deliver on a consistent basis because we're not pretending. I don't have to remember, how did I act last week about this? Yeah. Right. Like, and yeah. so, you know, in, in your teenage years, you do a lot more lying than as an adult, I feel right. And so, and, and it's always like, oh man, well, wh- what did I do to cover up that mistake? Uh, and now I have to keep remembering that and play and, and play off it. And then you just dig yourself into a rabbit hole. Um, and, and why put yourself in that position when you can just be true to yourself and be authentic, then you don't have to remember anything, right? You just, you can be yourself. And then you practice these muscles between being authentic and owning who you are and understanding you have value to give the world and then practicing this riffing idea on social every, every day or a couple of days where you're putting out value to see what works. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're being yourself, you're, you're working out, you're working out these new muscles of value creation and value delivery. And when you're, and and tying in the consistency of, of consistent frequency and consistent value, that's when you really start attracting people who are going to vibe with you, want to do business with you, want to hear what you have to say and pay attention to what you're doing. Well, you mentioned alter ego, and I, I want to hit yeah. that before I kind of bring this back to uh, something else. So yeah. I want to make sure we talk about that. What did you mean by alter ego and how that plays into authenticity and persona? Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, I think the idea and, the, and the, the intention of your question was about like creating a fictitious character around like trying to, you know, attract people and be your business as opposed to this other idea of alter ego, which is a book by Todd Herman. Everybody, you know, you can Google this. There's a lot of content on it, but it's the idea of like who we are today is like our self identity. We need to evolve as, as people um, to become something greater and okay. a, a quick way to step into that role before you actually develop it is, is not, not to fake it till you make it, but it's the idea of like, if you're playing pickup basketball and you're thinking like, Oh, Kobe, right? Like you take your shot, Kobe, and you're, you're playing with the mentality of someone greater than yourself because you're trying to level up. And so the, the alter ego is the idea of like, if you can create like, okay, I have my regular everyday identity of who I mm-hmm. am and my alter ego is the advanced higher performing version of that. And so um, it's not a fake character, but it's just a way to step into greatness uh, a little differently when maybe we have a little imposter syndrome or we're a little hesitant about something. 
I think for me, when we talk about this, the, the character or person who comes to mind is Stephen Colbert and going from the mm. Colbert Report into right. uh, The Late Show. And yeah. um, there was a lot of question of authenticity of that transition, at least for me and some of my friends as we talked about it in that, yeah, he was playing a character, but it never seemed genuine even when he switched over to The Late Show yeah. that that was truly who he was. He's like, oh, this is who I really am. And and for me, it just still didn't feel authentic. And, and it's one thing to play the character, right. but then when you go and try to play a new character who is authentically you, yeah. it gets very hard to find yourself in that again when you've created so much of an image of something else. And and yeah. for me, it's what's turned me off to a show is I just feel like he comes off as a big, arrogant jerk on the show, whereas the other one was playful and kind of right. uh, all of that. Now, uh, hopefully we can get him on our show one day. So hopefully he's <laughs> not listening to this going, well, I'll never do his show. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, that's the great example of here you create a... a an ethos, a uh, culture around a specific brand. And then mm -hmm. when you try to pivot, it's real hard to do it. And yeah. and I think he's finding his pace in the last couple of years, but those, that first year, it was just yeah. like the struggle to really find his own voice again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you paint yourself into a corner, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, and, you know, interesting, uh, kind of comparison is, is Matthew McConaughey, whose book just came out and I just gotten surprised. He's been on the podcast circuit and I would have been surprisingly impressed with his conversations about like mindset and approach, like very, um, I, I guess I just never thought of him one way or another. And to hear him talk about how, you know, very similar things that we talk about in the entrepreneurial world, um, mm -hmm. around personal development has been super impressive. And he talks about how, you know, he was just like the guy with no shirt on the movie poster in all these rom-coms. And he's like, I could have knocked out those every day for the rest of my life with ease. Like, you know, no problem making good money, paying the bills, got it, you know, got a good life. He's like, but I just was done with it and, and I didn't want to do it, but I wasn't getting jobs yeah. around like, you know, the, the stuff I wanted to do. And so what he did was he calls it his unbranding process. And so he made a commitment to himself and he said, I am a hundred percent. Okay. If I never make, if I never act again, yeah. but I'm not going to do the rom-coms right now. Yeah. I need to get away from that. And I forget however long it was, six months, 12 months, something like that, like kept getting deals and people and throwing triple, quadruple the amount of money to do these rom-coms. And he kept saying no, kept saying no. And eventually they were like, wow, all right, he's, he's true. He's being serious. He's not going to do it. And so he stopped getting calls and then the phone didn't ring for a while. And then the phone started ringing again because he became, and, and it was a new idea again where, okay, you know, tr you would never have hired the how to lose a 10 get 10, uh, <laughs> lose a guy in 10 days to play on true detective. Yeah. Right. But now that he kind of disconnected himself from that, it was when he was able to get that and Lincoln Moyer and stuff where, you know, when you paint yourself into a corner for too long in a way that you don't want to be perceived. And I think his was not inauthentic. It just happened to be the way his career ended up. Yeah. Um, but then you do have to kind of disconnect for a little while and and disassociate yourself. And there, I guess there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think that unbranding is, is a way. And like you said, like Colbert jumped from a playful character into someone who had to be himself every night mm -hmm. and, was, and, and he was painted in a corner. And, you, you know, I think the, you know, the world saw that kind of struggle um, to be honest. I, I saw him, he, he actually is an old neighbor of mine. I, I, I moved a year ago, but for the last 10 years, we lived in the same town and he would go to oh. the coffee shop downstairs from my apartment all the time. And so I saw him more at the coffee shop than I did on TV. I didn't really, I didn't really watch him on TV. Um, but, um, but to take your word for it, like it's, uh, you know, to, to, to have to go through that transition publicly where like, you know, going from a, a playful character 
that you had got you your, your first job. And then how do I kind of back out of that Im- immediately, you know, and be who I really am. Um, you know, so I think to the authentic, being authentic and consistent about who you truly are will help you from getting painted in that corner. Yeah. Todd, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh man. Uh, that, I think I wanted to be a TV host actually at that for the longest uh, amount of time was probably it. What is one tip you'd give someone with a big idea or dream and they don't know where to start? Hmm. What problem are you solving and start uh, talking to people who have that problem? What is one change you would like to see in the world? More experts putting out great quality content. What do you want your legacy to be? helping those experts put out great quality content. (laughs) (laughs) For you personally, where do you find inspiration? Uh, Through my family, my daughters, my wife. Um, My wife is an entrepreneur too, and seeing her every day be a mom, which is an entrepreneurial gig in itself, um, is super inspiring for me. What do you think is one book every dreamer should read? How to Win Friends and Influence People. For you, how do you define success? Achieving great goals that you set out for yourself and living with intention. What is one trend you're currently excited about? Um, people putting out more content. I think, you know, with, uh, with COVID more people got comfortable on camera. And so I think, uh, they're more open-minded to doing these kind of things. And, uh, despite the saturation it might create, I think I'm, I'm excited about people creating more content. What is one habit that is helpful in your life? This is a new one, which is also an old one that I brought back, but uh, posting on social media every single day. What is one thing you wish you would have known when you first started out? Building an email list is your most valuable asset. If you weren't doing what you're doing today, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I'd be some kind of teacher or coach um, helping people uh, achieve what they're trying to achieve in a different way. And our final rapid fire question, what is one dream you're still wanting to fulfill in your own life? Oh man, um, you know, building a, a business that can impact thousands of entrepreneurs who can then in turn impact tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Nice. I always like to leave our guests to have the final thought. So as we wrap up today's show, what is your final thought for all of us? We talked about a lot of different things here today. Um, there's a lot of ideas. Ideas are very common. We can all come up with a ton of them all the time. Um, but the most important thing to think about is get focused on a single thing and take action and uh, never forget that taking a, taking action is the most important uh, aspect of it all is we can think and talk and ide- ideate all we want, but until we take action, hit publish, ship it, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, Todd, I want to thank you one more time for just taking time out and redoing the interview, <laughs> the lost files, a completely different conversation from the first time around, but yeah. it all, uh, very much fun and a lot of great tips here. So I hope our, uh, the people listening to the show will take away some really powerful tips on content creation and finding their voice. I think more than ever, uh, it is a time to step out into finding your own voice. And so I think these tips can really help people take that journey of beginning to have their own voice in, in, in the space of content creation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And if, if anybody, you know, if you want to get started, I, I, I want to help everybody get started. So I have a bunch of free resources. Um, if you go to the growth slash free, uh, there's a bunch of free stuff there to help you with what topics should you talk about? How do you do all this kind of stuff? Um, you know, I, I just want to help people. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. And for all of you listening, 
you'll be hearing Josh Carey again soon. So thanks for tuning in and letting me uh, run the show today for Josh and listening into the conversation. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.